Abundance of love Abundance of grace Down to that cross You took my place Oh God You take my ransom Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. The Bible says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Verse 10 says, But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Don't Be Devourable. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for each person who's come out today. Lord, I thank you for those who show up for praise and worship God. I thank you for those who show up to volunteer on Sunday mornings all across these grounds, God. And I pray that you be glorified by everything that we say and do. I ask you, God, now to teach us from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Don't be devourable. Oh, nice graphic. Um, that's, that's the sound booth coming in big this morning. That's exactly part of what we're going to be talking about today, but hear me good. You don't want this on your back, and you really don't want this on your neck, and we're going to talk about this passage of Scripture this morning. I'm going to talk fast. I want you to listen fast because God is going to take us on a journey this morning to where he wants us to be. We're going to take these few verses that I read, and we're just going to go through them verse by verse this morning. In verse 7, the Word of God says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Right out of the gate this morning, the first point I want you to get, and this is huge. You know this point, but I want you to get it in your spirit. God loves me. You, you ought to write that on your mirror. You ought to put that on a three-by-five card. You ought to just take your brightest lipstick and scratch it on your bathroom mirror. God loves me. Why is that so important, Pastor Scott, that I tell myself that 3,000 times a day? Because the world doesn't. The enemy of the cross doesn't love you, and you need to remind yourself that God loves you. To think anything different is to argue against what God is saying. We need to agree with what God says. We need to get our self-worth not from self-help books, but from the God who created us and knows us better than anyone. And I want you to remind yourself constantly, he loves me. We used to sing a song, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible told me so. In John chapter 3, verse 16, the Gospel of John, probably the most quoted verse in the entire Bible The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 doesn't get quoted as much, but it should. It goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There's good news this morning. God loves people. 
and hopefully you're a people or a person. Uh, in, in Romans 5, 8, the Bible goes on to say, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you are sitting around gloom, despair, and agony on me, if you're sitting around having a pity party, maybe things are difficult right now. Maybe you're going through some stuff. Maybe you feel the weight of the world crashing down on you. I want you to remind yourself, God not only says that he loves you, he proved that he loved you at the cross. Don't get caught up in that nobody loves me mindset. Don't get caught up in nobody cares about me. God has said it repeatedly, and he has proven it in a tangible way. Does anybody this morning believe that God loves you? Hallelujah. That, that will carry you through every darkness. That will carry you through every difficulty if you will allow it to. We've got to move into a place as Christians where we stop just knowing what God said and start applying what God says to my life. Listen, it's not being scared of God that's going to get you closer to him. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. And I want you, just, just, just say this out of your mouth, God loves me. Say it again, God loves me. Keep that in the forefront of your mind. The next verse in our text, verse 8 says, it, it gives us instruction. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Second point this morning, the devil is busy looking for someone to devour. The devil is busy. We didn't get that on the screen? There it is. The devil is busy looking. How, get this. Even when we as Christians are not on our job, the devil's always on his job. The devil is busy, and he's out there looking. He's out there trying to find someone who he can mess up. The name of our church is Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. And in John 10.10, Jesus talks about abundant life, but he starts off by saying this, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill And to destroy. Then Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The thief here is talking about our enemy, the devil. And he says that the reason why he comes is to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. You ever had a good quiet time with God, been in a good church service, felt the spirit uh, lifting you higher and, and giving you joy, and then you get out on the street, somebody cuts you off, flips you off, somebody calls you, tells you some bad news, and then your joy just flies right. The devil wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your faith. Everything about Christianity is by faith. Some people get caught up in in saying that, you know, Jesus appeared to them or they went to heaven. Um, I don't see that that type of relationship going on in the word of God through the apostles and through the prophets. Paul got caught up into heaven, and the Bible says it wasn't even lawful for him to utter the things that he saw there. If you could see it all, you wouldn't need faith. And the Bible says faith is what pleases God. We, We live in a faith walk and the devil wants to kill your faith the devil wants to just burden you with well what about this what about that if god really this then how is that if this wasn't happening why would this be happening don't let doubt creep in to your mind you need to 
understand that God is trustworthy. The Bible says that God cannot, not just that he doesn't, but he cannot lie. And God has made promises to us, and we need to hold on to those by faith. The third thing he says is he wants to destroy. Oh, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation, but it only takes one bad decision to crush it. I got good news for you, though, because I'm one of those that made bad decisions after. Anybody make bad decisions after salvation? Uh, Here's the good news for you. Our God is not just the God of the second chance. He's the God of another chance. And anytime you want him to put you back together, all you have to do is call out to him. The enemy's assignment can be canceled through the Spirit of God and by faith if you will allow yourself to hold on to the promises of God and to trust what he says. Verse 8 again says, be sober, be vigilant. Sober, that word sober in the Greek means to be calm and collected in spirit. You ought to have a self-check on sobriety. This isn't talking about drinking. This is talking about sober-minded. You ought to have a sobriety self-check. How is your mind How have you been doing in your mind? Joyce Meyer became a gazillionaire uh, on her series, The the Battlefield of the Mind. The attack comes to your mind, and God tells us to be calm and collected in spirit. See, if you're frazzled, if you're stressed out, if you're freaking out, uh, you can't be sober-minded. When, when life starts pulling on you, you need to have a step-back moment when you feel yourself stressing out. You need to have a step-back moment when you feel life just, y'all looking at me like it's just me. Anybody ever get like, you need to step back and say, God, I know this is not from you. The, the Bible says that uh, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you ever feel your mind stepping out on you, I, it always, this, this concept always takes me back to the Waltons. Now, that, that's showing your age if you know who the Waltons are. But John Boy was the oldest, and he was daddy's go-to boy, and he was the right-hand uh, man of, of his parents in the family. And one time, he was just feeling himself, I guess. He was just, the writer said, let's, let's just, you know, throw shade on John Boy because they were always throwing shade on everybody else. And he did some stuff that was really, you know, not in his right mind. And his dad said, son, have you taken temporary leave of your senses? And I want to confess, as a human being, there have been times in my life where I have taken temporary leave of my senses. And you have too. But God will allow you to take that step back. We talk a lot about focus at Abundant Life. Well, you got to focus on God intentionally. And when that focus gets broken, you got to do what? refocus and God will allow you the time step back refocus and say you know what I'm not going to lose it right now and this is one of the great things about salvation when God gives you an awareness that yes you are saved because some people struggle in doubt God when God lets you go through something and somebody tries to frazzle you somebody tries to sweat you somebody tries to stress you and you know 
that if you weren't saved, your response would have went a whole different way. Anybody ever been there? You, you know, if I, if I hadn't just got saved, if God wasn't number one in my life, uh, I'd be catching a court case right now because you'd be getting more. Uh, I wish I had five people that knew what I was talking about this morning. You know that you, oh, man, and, and you ought to just smile and, 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 and just, just pat God on the back for yourself. Just thank you, God. Uh, man, I know I'm saved because back in the day, it would have been different. Every Christian's testimony is, I haven't always been like this. I used to be one way, but now I'm a different way. And, and you need to step back when somebody's trying to steal your joy, trying to snatch your faith, destroy your life. You just need to step back and say, thank you, God, for saving me because I don't have to pull out a gun or a bat or drive over anybody today. Amen? That was for Elder Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> inside joke. Keep coming. You'll catch up but sober is to be calm and collected in spirit no nobody in the media wants you to be calm i love what charles barkley said charles barkley is a funny guy i i've I've always enjoyed listening to him i don't agree with everything he says but he said one time when they asked him about racism and and listen there is racism everywhere you, you can't legislate people's heart. You can pass all the laws you want to. That, that's, that's like talking about passing gun laws. If it's in somebody's heart to murder you, they'll run over you with a car. They'll stand, they've outlawed carrying knives in England because they didn't have guns, but they still have murder. You can't, you can't pass laws to affect someone's heart. There's racism everywhere, and they brought it up and asked uh, Charles Barkley about uh, America, is America racist? country and he said he doesn't believe that america is a racist country he said of course they're racist in america but there's also good people he said but that's y'all's job then he pointed to me he said that's y'all's job y'all just want to keep all of us fighting against each other y'all want to keep the republicans fighting the democrats y'all want to keep the white people fighting the people of color y'all just want to keep it all stirred up he said he's traveled all over the world and he's met good white people and bad white people how many y'all know that's real he said he met good black people and, 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 and bad black people. And he said, it's, it, we need to look case by case. He said, y'all just want to keep us stirred up so we stay tuned in and y'all keep making money off our backs trying to get us to hate each other. I want to say to you today, you can love people if you let God be the one loving through you. He didn't just say to be sober. Then he said this other word that's not very used in our current language, vigilant. Now, to be vigilant in this context means to actively give strict attention to something with a cautious mindset. Actively pay attention. Look at somebody say pay attention. Most people walk through life just on dozed out, just clueless, just bumping through life. Don't even see what's going on around them. I talk to my sons a lot about situational awareness because we live in a day and age where you better be looking. We, we eat out every day. Um, when, when the boy's mom and dad died, I decided to eat dinner with my kids every night and to make an event out of it. So we've been eating out for, for, for 16 years um, together. And everywhere we go, if, if we walk in and something looks real sketchy, one of my kids will lean over and be like, Dad shooter yeah you're right son because when they were little they would all ask me dad could you beat up every man in this room and i just i'd be as honest as i could with them the first answer is of course i can i'm 220 pounds worth of uh 59 years of aggression and 
But I, I would tell them it's not who looks like they can beat you up. You need to be able to identify threat level. You need to be able to see what threat. So then it got to, Dad, who's the person most likely to do something crazy in this room right now? And so we play those games. You're like, y'all just sit there and talk. We're people watchers, okay? You do what works for you. But you need to be paying attention to what's going on around you. And, and if you're on our security team, I thank God Hugo came along and brought, brought leadership to our security team because he doesn't need to be taught about security. He's spent his whole lifetime in law enforcement. But we have had people walk in here. I'll just help you out a little bit with awareness. If a guy walks, if a guy who is paler than me, and I stay out of the sun on purpose, if a guy who is whiter than me walks in and he's wearing a black trench coat and it's 80 degrees outside, we got an issue. Isn't that right, Hugo? We, we, got, we got threat. Beep, beep, beep. Warning, Will Robinson. Danger, danger, danger. You, you need to have your eyes open as you walk through life because there, there, there's stuff going on. And God commands us to give strict attention to this life with a cautious mindset. You need to, when you get ready to leave your house in the morning, you need to know there's danger out there, but I'm taking God with me. And if God's for me, doesn't matter who's against me. I, I, I told y'all I got good news for you this morning. If you're saved, you're on the winning team and God has got your back. And you need to rejoice in that. I don't want you to w- walk around freaked out. I don't want you trying to see a ghost behind every shadow. I don't want you thinking that everybody's meaning to do you harm, but there are some bad players out there. There, there, there's some, hey, there's some people in your own house maybe that don't mean you mental good. And we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be paying strict attention. Don't walk through life blind. Don't walk through life without w- seeing what's going on around you. God has commanded us to be sober-minded, to be vigilant. Verse 8 says the reason why is because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So we've got a couple different names here. Your adversary. Many times the devil is called adversary, and then it says the devil. So these are two specific names. Uh, adversary is where we get our word Satan. The word Satan means adversary or opponent, and the word devil means accuser or slanderer. The Bible says that the devil goes before the throne of God and accuses Christians all day long. Listen, don't walk around accusing other Christians of junk because that's the devil's job. That's not our job. We're supposed to love each other in spite of each other. But I want to tell you something. If you haven't come to the place in your life where you realize that we have a real opponent, I need you to wake up. We have an adversary. We have someone who opposes us. Anytime you start advancing for God, the devil wants to pull you back. The devil doesn't want you to be a champion for Christ. The devil doesn't want you to hold on to your faith. The devil doesn't want you to be a bold witness for Jesus. The devil doesn't want you studying your word, praying, and making good decisions. He says he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, I love the Nature Channel. Many of you have heard me talk about I I always pull for the lion, not in the spirit realm, but in the natural. When, when, I, when I see that big lion, and I, I always wonder, why does he crouch low and hide? He's not scared of those zebra. 
He could reach out there and just smack those zebra around and play games with those zebra. But he crouches down low, and he, he waits. And he, here's, here's what's been said a lot. This is a, this is a good hunting story to tell if you're ever out in the woods uh, chasing something that could do you harm. You don't have to be faster than the bear. You just got to be faster than your buddy. And the zebra know this. When the lion comes, the zebra does not have to be faster than the lion. He just can't be the slowest zebra in the pack. He's got to be faster than the slowest. Listen, don't be the slowest zebra. Don't be the weakest Christian. Don't be the one who he's stalking because the devil stalks. He watches and he waits and he looks for his opportunity to jump into your mess. How many of y'all know he comes at the worst time and he comes with vengeance? He's like a lion. He's out there trying to devour people. I I, I want to tell you, if you're not aware, God is doing some really cool stuff through Abundant Life. We've got ministries going on around the world. We've got churches in different continents. We've got a food and clothing ministry that is feeding thousands of people right here on the west side of Jacksonville. We're seeing people get saved, growing in their faith. God has done great things in this ministry. And the devil is not happy about it. The Bible says that when a person comes to God, to get saved, that there's rejoicing in heaven. When God is rejoicing, the devil's mad. And he's on an all-out attack to devour someone. And I've talked to you before. I want to touch on it real quick this morning, the cutout principle. Say cutout. Don't get cut out. This is what happens. If you watch a nature channel, you'll watch these, these animals of prey huddle up when a predator is nearby. When that lion is, is, is creeping, that zebra can tell. And they all pack up together because they know if I get in the middle of the pack, he's not going to get to me. He's going to get to one of those other people. I'm going to tell you this. If I wasn't, when, when I wasn't pastoring, I was always right there in the middle of everything that God had going on. I surrounded myself with Christian leaders. I surrounded myself with good Christian people who read their Bible and prayed. Why? Because I wanted the devil to have to go through about 100 people before he could get to me. You start drifting back. See, this is the zebra that gets caught. The zebra that, oh, Something shiny over there, and the pack's over here. The protection is over here. The unity is over there. And you get out there looking at something shiny. You get your attention off of God. You get your attention off the unity of the body of Christ, and then the enemy knows that's the one. That's the one. They say a zebra's kick is extremely powerful, and when multiple zebras go to kicking on a lion's head, they've actually chased lions off. I find that hard to believe, but that's what they say. Y'all know about they say. They, they say that, but when the, when the lion sees that one by himself, it's called the cutout principle. When you get separated from the herd, you're an easy target, and I wonder how tied in you are with the herd right now. I wonder how connected you are. So many people have a misunderstanding of Christianity. They think, well, I serve God. I don't need people. The Bible says that God put us in a community to have relationships, that we're not built to be on our own. We're not built to be lone wolves. We're built to reside in the family of God. Hear me when I say don't get cut out. Don't get cut out. Now, one good thing about abundant life, we don't cut folk out. We tell people, come come as you are. 
If, if you're addicted, come, come addicted. If you're out there hoeing for money, uh, come hoeing for money. Well, don't hoe for money in the church, but don't stay away because you're not perfect because the pastor here is not perfect. The elders and the deacons here are not perfect. Now, hopefully they're not hoeing for money. But, hey, I've seen some churches. Uh, we, we were in a church one time, uh, the, the Mills family, and, and, and I were in a church uh, where they would just put people out. You remember that? And tell the church, if you see them in the mall, what? Don't talk to them. Walk the other way. I'm like, ooh, man, y'all, y'all, ooh, where do you draw that line? And, and they have biblical basis. The Bible says if you see someone doing something they shouldn't do, you should go to them, try to recover them. If they won't listen, uh, go, go with, with a witness. Uh, and, and if they won't listen to all of y'all, then take them before the whole church. And if they won't listen to the church, kick them out. Uh, I read that part in the Bible that says you reap what you sow. And that if, if you want mercy, you got to give mercy. So you, you would, I mean, you would really have to go some. To, for us to have a church meeting. Now, this other church, they, they had a roster. They're like, oh, mm, out, out. And they tell people, they're out if you want to stay. And I'm like, man, that's so religious. That's so judgy. I, I get what they were trying to say. But you'd have to really just be outside your mind for, for us to say, uh, please don't come back. Because we want anybody who wants to come. Abundant Life is a church for anybody willing to come. Red, yellow, black, white, young, old, rich, poor, charismatic, Baptist, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, Church of God by faith on Sunday morning by the river incorporated in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter where you came from. If you want to be here, you're welcome here. We're not going to cut you out. So don't cut yourself out. And you know... If you've been in church for a while, there are times when you're super excited that, yay, man, it's church day. I get to go and, and, and be around people that love the same God I love, sing songs to him, listen to preaching. But then there's other times you're like, no, oh, man, I just, you know, I think I'm going to back up for a minute. I think I'm going to take a break. I, I, listen, when you start feeling that way, you better, you better sniff out that line, that enemy. He's stalking you at that point. As soon as you step back away from the people of God, the plan of God, and, and serving God, once you serve, well, I, I think I'm going to let somebody else handle, handle my assignment for this month. You, 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 you step back. Now, there's a time to step back to catch your breath, but there's a difference between stepping back to catch your breath while you maintain your private devotion and stepping away from church and private devotion. Amen? That's when you cut yourself out. And I want you to know, the Word of God is true. Is that right? Can we trust the Word of God? God said He's out there like a lion, stalking you, seeking one person to get separated, looking for the young, looking for the weak, looking for those who are struggling. If you're, if you're struggling, I like what one, one writer said, uh, if you get offended by it, then just forgive me in advance. But he said, if you're going through hell, keep going. And lots of times you're going to feel that way in your life. You're going to feel like I'm just going from one travesty to the next. I'm just going from one train wreck to the next. It's just one thing after the other thing. If it's not this, it's that or the third. It's always something. When you get in that place, don't separate yourself from other believers. Don't separate yourself from serving God because that's when you cut yourself out and you put yourself at 
risk. Verse 9 says, it's talking about your enemy, resist him. Say resist. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Third point, if you're taking notes this morning, you are not alone. You're not alone. We all go through stuff. The devil wants you to think your stuff is worse than everybody else's. The devil wants you to think that nobody's got it as bad as you. The devil wants you to think that what people don't understand what you're going through and how can you expect yourself to bear up. The Bible says the same thing that you're going through, your brothers are going through throughout the whole world. I had to live through this in a very painful way. Um, about two years after my wife died, Jake was, uh, was acting out. And I told him, I said, son, you can't, you can't act like that. Uh, I gave him my, have you taken temporary leave of your senses speech? And he said, it's just hard sometimes, Dad. I said, I know, it's hard on everybody. He said, yeah, but nobody else uh, had their mom die. Uh, His mom died when he was four years old. His brother was two years old. And I had to tell him, I said, son, lots of people have lost their mother, lost their father. People, the problems that we go through are common problems. We all have similar struggles in this life. And the devil wants you to believe your struggle is harder than other people because he wants you to justify why you failed. And I want to remind you, the Bible says that what you're going through, other people are going through too. And if God can help other people, he can help you. The test that you endure builds your testimony. The Bible says God lets us go through stuff so we can come to him for comfort and receive comfort from him so we can go and comfort others with the same comfort God comforted us with. God wants you to be able to tell people, hey, there's life after that. There's life in the middle of that. You you find some stuff that you went through, God lets you go through that so you can help somebody when they go through it. I always wonder about preachers that were raised in, in normal families that, were, that came up, you know, crystal clean, never did any problem, never went to jail, never got on drugs, alcohol. I, 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 got, I was way off the grid. Uh, I wasn't raised like that. I wasn't raised in the church. I wasn't raised. We, we, didn't, we didn't value morality and things like that. Um, we just did what we wanted to do. And... Some, 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 some preachers, I can't relate to them because they grew up in, family, in church every time the doors were open. Mom and daddy were deacons, preachers, apostles, prophets. Uh, nobody ever went to jail. Nobody ever uh, had anything bad going on. They left high school where they were the valedictorian. They went off to college and were the valedictorian there. Then they went off to seminary, got their doctorate degree, and started pastoring their first church. I'm thinking, what are you going to tell Ray Ray Pookie and them? What are you going to tell somebody who lived in where the majority of us lived, not in Pleasantville? What are you going to say? How are you going to minister to people who lived on the other side of the tracks? And, and surely anybody can tell us what they've heard. But when, I, when you hear me say, I'm not telling you what I've heard, I'm telling you what I know. There's a different level of ministry that you're able to do when you can talk to somebody about your personal testimony. When you can tell somebody that you were there too, but this is where you are now. You got to get to where you want to be so you can brag on God and tell people, God did it for me and he can do it for you. That's why you need to pray for your family, for your friends. You need to, you need to have an awareness that says, if he can save me, he can save anybody. 
Mm. I'm preaching better than y'all are staring at me, but we're going to get done early today. So that ought, that ought to tickle your funny bone. Verse 10 says, But may, God, may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, nobody wants to suffer, but my last point to you this morning is suffering is temporary. Say temporary. Now, temporary is, is, a, is a relative term. It, uh, what, what some people would call temporary, you might be saying, this has been a long time. When some people say that it, it's a light affliction that lasts just for a little bit, you might say, well, this thing feels heavy to me, and it's lasted for a long time. Hear me good. If God says it's temporary, then it's temporary. And I want us to get this verse before we get out of here. It's, it's the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. He said, after you have suffered a while. You want to know why you're still going through? You want to know why life keeps bringing you difficulties? Because you're in your suffering for a while season. And if you don't pass it, you get to do summer school. That means when everybody else moves on, you're still going through. And if you don't pass it in summer school, there are no social promotions in heaven. There, there are no athlete uh, let him go because we need him on the field. And Listen, God will let you do fourth grade all over again. If you don't pass kindergarten, God will, well, just, hey, he'll let you keep going. And it can be for a little while. Think about in the Old Testament. The Bible says we have these stories for our examples so we can learn from them. In the Old Testament, when Moses went to Pharaoh, he said, God said, let my people go out into the wilderness where they can worship me. And if you know the story, you know the story. What happened when after all the plagues and breaking Pharaoh's back finally happened and they left Egypt and they went out to go where God told them to go to worship him, it was an 11-day journey, according to geography experts. It was an 11-day. Now, that's a long time to be walking, but it was 11 days, and they drug it out for 40 years walking around the same mountain. Wandering in the wilderness, just going in the wrong direction. They had a task that was difficult. 11 days walk, I mean, I don't know. If you walk three miles an hour, um, then you walk 30 miles in 10 hours, uh, then you could walk uh, three, 30 miles a day. If you walk for 11 days, 330 miles, that gets you to Miami or Atlanta. Now, if, he's, if God said, all right, y'all, y'all load up some stuff, we're going to walk to Atlanta, I'm like, hmm, I don't like walking to the mailbox uh, to Atlanta. That's a difficult task, yeah? Now, but if we did it with the right mindset and we followed the map, we'd get there in about 11 days. Now, how would we look if it took us 40 years to get to Atlanta walking from here? But that's what happens. The, the, the suffering is designed to happen for a little while because suffering is where you grow. grow. Some of y'all parents, I've told y'all before, you can't pick Johnny up out, out of the ditch every time he falls. Sometimes he's got to lay in it. 
You can't hold on to the back seat while he's learning to ride a bike. Sometimes you got to let him go and let him fall. You got to take the training wheels off of life at some point because there is learning in that process. And I came to tell you today, your suffering is largely dependent on how you do with it. Just like the Hebrews, they didn't have to take 40 years walking around in the desert where every one of them died. All of the adults that left Egypt died except two. They didn't have to go through all that pain if they would have just done what they were supposed to do. It was going to be a long walk for sure. It wasn't going to be easy for sure, but it didn't have to take 40 years. And the tests that God has for you, the life, the journey that God has for you, it's going to have some ups and it's going to have some downs. You're going to have some good days and bad days, some happy days and some sad days. You're going to go through some struggle. But wouldn't you like to just take the direct route? Nobody wants to swim in the cesspool of trouble forever. And God says, after you've suffered a while. Here's the problem in today's world. Nobody wants to suffer. People say, oh, I wish we had the power they had at Pentecost. The problem is no one wants to pay the cost. Jesus told us in the Gospels to count the cost. Consider this decision you're making for Christ. Are you really going to stick with it? Because if you start and you don't finish, the Bible says then they're just going to laugh at you and laugh at your God. There's going to be some difficulty ahead, and that's not the message we hear in modern-day America from megachurch preaching on TV. All I hear uh, from these liars on television is, send us money and God will give you a million dollars. I hear people quoting, God said he'll give you double for your trouble. I declare everyone's going to receive twice as much as they give today. I'm thinking, yes, that's just a bold-faced lie. That's not in the Bible. They, they pervert and twist verses. God's going to be even better than double. Some going to get 30-fold, 60, 100-fold blessing. Anybody gives $100 a day, you're going to get 100-fold blessing. It's just, that's all lies and manipulation. You know what is promised us on the good side? Heaven, eternity with God forever, peace with God here in this life as we go through trials, as we go through difficulties, but I want to help you today. If you are suffering and you think it's been for more than a while, I want you to make sure that it's not because of you. Make sure that you're not walking around wandering in your own wilderness, taking longer than you need to take to get out of your present trial. You ought to press in. I've told you for years, when the devil presses on you, you need to press back. If, if your mind starts getting uh, weary on you, you need to dig into the word more and renew your mind. If your money starts getting wild and, and bad and, and your money's funny, you need to start giving more. Whenever the devil starts attacking you, just push back. He'll leave you alone to go find somebody else. And it's time for the blood-bought church to stop wandering in the wilderness and let your suffering be for a while. There's a purpose for your pain, and it's so that God can mature you. That's what that word perfect means. So he can establish you in this faith, strengthen you, and settle you. Oh, I would to God that we were all already perfect, established, strengthened, and settled because then there'd be no more struggle. There'd be no more suffering. But I'm telling you this, we've got a journey to make. We've got a journey to make, and it's going to have some difficult times. They won't tell you that at the megachurch. Let's just come to Jesus, and everything will get better. Sometimes you come to Jesus, some stuff might get worse. But if you hold on to him in the storm, how many of y'all know he can be your shelter in a time of a storm? 
Suffering's temporary. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Somebody tell us, what, 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 what does therefore mean? Because of everything that he's just said. Because of all the verses preceding verse 16, he said, because of what we said, we don't lose heart, period. I tell you all the time, when you read the Bible, pause on the punctuation. Stop when you see a period. Consider what's been said. We do not lose heart. If you feel yourself losing heart, you need to remind yourself, we are not the ones who lose heart. I am a Christian. God has saved me. I call myself a child of the living God. And don't give up. It goes on to say, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. That in itself, just this one verse, can be your formula for continuing on. When you start to feel weary, don't lose heart. Even when everything around you is just falling apart, You've got to do this last part. The, the, the apostle was able to say his inward man was being renewed day by day. I want you to think about, have you been renewing your inward man day by day? Have you been going to the Bible every day? The Bi- Jesus said this is food for your soul. Have you been renewing yourself, listening to praise and worship music, praying to God, sharing your faith? We need to get to the place where we are daily feeding At the Lord's table. If you hear more Bible in this room than you read outside of this room, you're spiritually weak and you need to do better. And we all need to do better. We all need to pray more. We all need to read our Bible more. We need to be strengthened every day. Anytime somebody comes to my office and they're explaining a problem, talking about difficulty, anybody know the first question I ask them? How much have you been reading your Bible? And they always say the same thing. What do they say? Not as much as I should. What is that like? Do they teach that in, 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 church, in church members 101? Not as much. I, so I now break it down. Well, let's be specific. Out of seven days in a week, how many days in a seven-day week are you reading your Bible? And then that's when the looking at the floor comes out, uh, two or three, sometimes four, um, You know, that might be good for where you came from, but if you want to be spiritually whole, if you want to be renewed day by day, you've got to feed yourself spiritually day by day. Verse 17 says, for our light affliction, comma, pause on the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces so you can get it down in your spirit and digest it. Our light affliction. Now, I've been through some stuff that, you couldn't really call a light. Anybody ever been through something that wasn't light? It was way bigger than light. That's by our standard. By God's standard, if you get God in on it, how, do, how many of y'all know that struggle that was heavy for you is not heavy for God? It's light for God. The, our light, listen, your affliction can be as heavy or as light as you want it to be, depending on your perspective of it. If you keep God in the forefront of your mind saying, I know God's got this, I know one day I'm going to be in heaven. I know he's prepared a place for me. And one day I'm going to fly out of this this earth's atmosphere and go be with God forever. Then you can get an eternal perspective because you got to think big to call stuff light that really can feel awful heavy. And I've been through some things in my life that felt awful heavy. But you know what? I can tell you this. 
God held me together. God and his people loved on me, blessed me, helped me, kept me together so I didn't lose my mind and fall away from God and run away from church and just dive under a rock somewhere. How many of y'all know God is able? But you got to let God carry it. If you carry it, it's not going to feel light. If you get it in the right perspective, it's a light affliction when God is on your side. It says, for our light affliction, and then he adds gas on the fire, which is but for a moment. Could you imagine telling somebody that? They, they, they just had the, the most important person in the world dying, and like, oh, man, come on, don't worry about that. That's a light affliction. Probably not to them right there at that moment. And you say, ah, you just, you, you're just going to feel that way for a moment. How many of y'all know grief don't pass quick? But if you let God in on the scene, your affliction will be lighter. You'll understand the temporary nature of it. He said this light affliction, which is just for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And verse 18 says this, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's the last verse I'm going to talk to you about this morning. This is the key. This is the key to, to, to getting from where you are to where God wants you to be. Don't look at the things that are seen. You, well, it's looking bad out there, Reverend. Well, you know the gas prices. You know the economy, inflation. There's no baby formula on the shelf. You know, Washington, you know, uh, and, and it doesn't matter. And here's what you over-politically-minded uh, people need to understand. We had hell by the acre when Ronald Reagan was the president. We had hell by the acre when Bill Clinton was the president. We had hell by the acre with both Bushes, one before and one after Clinton. We had hell by the acre, uh, who's next? We, we, both, both eight years of President Obama. You think the murder rate in Chicago, his hometown, wasn't still high when President Obama was the president? We had hell by the acre when 45, Donald Trump was the president. And we still got it going. So stop thinking that Washington is going to cure your ills. Stop thinking that, that the, the Savior is going to sit at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. The Savior is firmly seated in heaven, and he's established, and he's settled, and he has the answer. We, we got to look bigger picture, say big picture. Don't just look at what's right. Anybody can see what's right there. But do you see what's going on behind the curtain? It says, but the things, we shouldn't be concentrating on the things that everybody can see, but look into those unseen things. Look at what's going on in eternity. Look at what's going on in the heavenlies. Look at what's happening in the bigger picture. And then he says, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Come on, Victor. The things that you can see, they're only temporary. If you can call it by what it is, if you can identify it, if you can name what you're going through, you need to say, oh, awesome. That's just temporary because I can see that. What we can't see with our natural eyes is what's going on spiritually, and that's what we need to be concentrating on. What we need to be concentrating on is that whether we live 20, 80, 100 plus years in this life, the Bible says it's just a vapor. It's here for a while and then it's gone. This life is fading. None of us are going to be here uh, forever. One, one day we're, we're all going to stand before God and we're either going to be led into heaven 
or we're not going to be led into heaven. And you need to be big picture minded. You need to be eternally focused and stop worrying about things that are out of your control. Now, I've told you many times, I get all my theology from the Bible. I don't take theology from songs, fairy tales, nursery rhymes, Christmas plays, none of that. But I do get some good philosophy from, from people with a little bit of wisdom. And I don't know if you had any wisdom, but there was a DJ in Jacksonville. Uh, now, you're going to show your age if, if you know who this guy is. Anybody ever hear of Robbie Rose? All right, there's the Jacksonville people. He closed his show, his four-hour show every day um, by saying that he felt like the key to life was don't sweat the small stuff and remember, it's all small stuff. And in the big picture, what... They're, they're, they're repoing my car, Pastor. Well, why ain't you hiding in the garage? Well, I don't have a garage. Well, why, why don't you put it inside the fence? Get a dog. Uh, I mean, and if they take it, you don't have to keep putting gas in it. They're they going to they turn my lights off. Well, good, you can't stay up all night playing on the Internet and watching TV. Well, that's easy for you. to. We all have struggles, but we've got to look at the bigger picture. And here's the biggest picture that there is. Where will you spend eternity? Where will you spend eternity? Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, that you'd go to heaven? If you stood before God today and he showed you heaven and all the beauty that heaven holds, and he asked you this question, why should I let you in? What would you tell him? See, there's only one answer that will get you in. Most people would tell him what they've done. And the Bible says, uh, by, by keeping the law, no flesh shall be justified. Most, most people say, well, because I was a good person. Um, I asked my stepfather one time. He, he wanted me to preach his funeral. And I told him I need to talk to him for we hadn't talked in years. And I, I told him I don't do funerals for lost people. He, he said, well, what makes you think I'm lost? <laughs> I'm like, I ain't going to live long enough to tell you everything I think makes you lost. But I said, are, are, are you saved? He said, I think so. I said, well, tell me why you think you're going to go to heaven when you die. He said, because I'm a good person. I've never done anything bad in my life. That's the wrong answer. It was certainly the wrong answer for him. But that's the wrong answer for everybody. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that sin must be punished, that the payment for sin is death. Well, what did Jesus do on the cross? He died. He was buried and he rose again so that we could have salvation through him. But what would your answer be? You say, I don't know, Pastor. What would your answer be? My answer would be what the answer of every truly born-again person can only be. I hope you'll let me in because I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior because I repented of my sins and I believe in you. The Bible says that salvation is by faith. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can be saved. And that's the real big picture that we need to be focused on. Some of you are straddling the fence, maybe think you're saved, maybe think you're not saved. You need to put a nail in that coffin and be done with it. You need to give your life to God. You need to get saved for real. You need to get on with the getting on so you can start passing some of these tests, get an eternal perspective, and be who God wanted you to be. What did I tell you this morning? God loves you. Keep that in the forefront of your mind. He loves you. And it's never going to change.
He loves you because he chooses to love you. He chose us before we chose him. Jesus told his disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. The love of God is manifest. All you have to do is look for it. And a lot of people, here's the problem with, with, with the way the human mind works. You see oftentimes what you're looking for. You see what you're looking for. If you're looking for people to, to mistreat you, guess what you're going to notice? People mistreating you. If you're looking for people to be a blessing to, you're going to find people to be a blessing to. If you ever bought a car that you'd never drove a car like that before and you didn't, thought you didn't see it on the road much, guess what you start seeing at every red light? That car. It, it wasn't until I spent over a decade as a bivocational pastor doing lawn maintenance uh, I, I break out some pictures. I proved to y'all uh, I was as tan as Ava. Wave at everybody, Ava. She's like, her mom like, raise your hand, girl. Uh, but prior to doing lawn maintenance for apartment complexes, hotels, restaurants, car dealerships, residential stuff, I never noticed people's bushes. I never noticed people's edging on the sidewalk. And ma- still to this day, I drive by and think, I ought to start my lawn business back up. People don't know how to do lawn maintenance. But you see what you're looking for. And if you're looking for bad stuff, you're going to find bad stuff. If you're looking for good stuff, you're going to find good stuff. If you go with the perspective that God loves me, then it can change your attitude. And your attitude can change your direction. Second thing I talked about was the devil's busy looking for someone to devour. Don't be that person. Don't surround yourself with men and women of God. Get in the middle of the pack so that the enemy can't devour you. Third thing I told you, you're not alone. Everybody's going through stuff. You're not any better. You're not any worse. Your, your, your struggle is, isn't any, any better or any worse. It, it might be slightly different, but we've all got stuff we're going through. We're all in our journey. We're all in our process. And I want you to stop thinking that you're an exceptional case of hardship so that you can justify your lack of devotion to God. God said the struggles that are in you are in your brethren throughout the world. And the last thing we talked about is suffering is temporary. I don't know what you're going through right now, but God does. And I've had people tell me when I talk about forgiveness, when I talk about moving forward, advancing in God's kingdom, people say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've been through. I don't have to. God knows what you've been through. And God has commanded us to keep loving him anyhow, keep praising him anyhow, to stay vigilant, to stay disciplined, to stay focused on the truth of God's word. And here's the reality. If you get your mind set on Jesus, the sky will look better to you. So many people say, Pastor Scott, I just wish I could have the joy I had when I first got saved. I wish I could just go back to that excitement of when I first got saved. And, and I understand what they're saying because I remember when I first got saved. It literally, it, it, it felt like the sky was bluer and the birds sang better. It, it, when, when it rained, I would find myself thanking God for the rain to help the grass grow. When, 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 when anything, I was just seeing God in everything. The mountains are awesome because God made them and nobody else could have. The ocean is awesome because nobody could do that. But I just saw God in everything. But then as life starts to creep in on you, and this is, this is the problem that every new Christian has to try to navigate. When, when life starts to build on you and you get around church folk that aren't as excited about being saved as you are, then they just pour cold water on your fire. 
Don't let anybody pour cold water on your love for God. Love God out loud. Say, say, declare your love from your chest. You just need to say it from your chest everywhere you go. God loves me. The, the psalmist said, if mama and daddy forsake me, God will be there for me. And, and, and the, he said that because the last thing likely to happen is for your mama to give up on you. But even if that happens, if the whole world turns against you and the judge gives you the whole role, you need to understand, God loves me. And one day I'll be out of this suffering. One day I'll be out of this affliction. People used to ask me, Pastor, why do you think God didn't heal your wife? Because when she died at 814 on a Sunday morning, I'd never talked to any funeral home. We didn't have a graveside. We didn't, I, I didn't have a, a, any place to call. I asked the lady in hospice, what do I do now? She said, well, I'll call your funeral director. They'll take care of it. I'm like, do, do you have one you can recommend? She looked at me like I had 12 heads. She said, sir. Your wife's been battling stage four cancer for two years. In her colon, her liver, her lungs, her brain, and in her hip. We're standing in hospice. You see these people getting carried out with purple blankets on them. You have No, I haven't called anybody because I wasn't looking for her to die. And she just shook her head. And I called somebody, and they knew somebody, and they came and, and did what they had to do. And people would ask me, you know, we stood in faith, Pastor Scott. Why, why do you think God didn't heal your wife? And I had to think about it. I had to contemplate it because I know all the ways of God are right. And I know even when my life was falling apart that um, he does all things properly. And the Bible says that all things work together for good to them to love God. And I, I just couldn't see it. And I, I had to, you know, press in and, and talk to God about it. And I finally got the answer for why didn't God heal Gail. He did. He just didn't do it in this life. He did it in the next life. And I don't know how long your struggle will be, but I'm going to tell you this. If you hold on to God, he'll either fix it for you in this life or guaranteed for sure. The Bible says in heaven, there's no sorrow, there's no pain, there's no disease, there's no hurt, there's no hate. And I don't know when your breakthrough will come, but I know who holds your breakthrough in his hand. And I hope you'll turn to God every day. Day by day, read your Bible, say your prayers, make good choices. Learn about this God we say we believe in and do what he's called you to do. Press through. Keep on going. Keep on believing. Hold on to your faith and never let anybody slow you down from loving on God. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and your grace, God. I thank you for each person who's come. God, I pray that you'd help us be eternally minded. Let us focus on eternal things more than temporary things. God, I know there are people in this room that are suffering, that are hurting, that are dealing with things, even as I am. God, I pray you'd be our strength. I pray you'd let us hold on to you when, when, the, when the waves get rough. Let us hold on to you in good times and bad times. God, help us to stay focused on you because you alone are worthy. You're God all by yourself, and there's nobody like you. God, I pray for every unsaved person in this room that you would give them an awareness right now that they need more than they have. They need a real relationship with you. And God, I pray for every saved person in this room that you would help us to be more committed, to be more hungry, and more thirsty for the things of God. Fill us with your spirit, God, and use us for your glory is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.